Hey, it's a uh, another edition of the Shotgun Start. We'll get to it quickly. Real quick note. Apologies. We This is not the best audio edition of uh, the Shotgun Start. Brendan was out at Caves Valley. He called from his car on the way back. He was yelling, you know, clipping a lot. He couldn't get connected. Um, thankfully, we had a great guest, Kevin Van Valkenburg, a uh, Baltimore uh, resident, I guess. Not a native. Or maybe a native. I'm not sure. Um, I'm not sure what native... Native, because he's not from there. He's from Montana. But anyways, this episode's not our best audio quality. I'm sorry. It'll be better Wednesday and Friday, we hope. Um, it's Victory Monday for the Lion-Eye. I forgot to mention that. But uh, thanks for listening. And I, I'm sorry about the poor audio this this time out. Now, the shotgun start in golf is full of mathematics. Um, there's a lot of a lot of setup work that we have to do in order to make a tournament work. So I'm going to demonstrate to you just exactly how we do a shotgun start here. And here we go. All right, all right, all right. Gentlemen, start your Greetings and welcome to another edition of the Shotgun Start Podcast. I'm messing this up. Today is Thursday, Monday, August 30th. Brendan, how are you doing? (laughs) He's not there. Brendan, I cannot hear you. Danny, is there anyone else you'd like to greet? Kevin. How are you doing? <laughs> Andy! It's KV and I'm doing great. Man, this show's off to a rocky start. Brendan and Kevin Van Valkenburg are with us. Brendan's now no longer with us. He's dropped off the Zoom. That explains the silence, the crickets. Kevin Van Valkenburg, ESPN. Both of you were out at the BMW uh, today. Quite the, uh, quite the finish. You know, maybe one of the best finishes in the 120-year history of the event. How, how was it out there today? Uh, it was really fun, Andy. You know, I think that uh, we all kind of delight a little bit in needling the, the FedEx Cup playoffs and sort of, you know, think that this is not a true test. I was upfront uh, about sort of writing a story this week, sort of asking, like, is this how playoffs uh, ought to be like it's the one sport where things seem to get way easier uh, when the playoffs come around to the, and I was, was working the story so hard that even Rory was kind of like needling me a little bit, being like, man, you're really leading into this story, aren't you, bud? And, uh, but I had fun today. I really enjoyed watching the contrasting styles. I walked the whole playoff with, uh, with Bryson and Patrick and it was a fun kind of scene to see them really, uh, to, you know, hear the ch- the fans chanting "Patty, Patty, Patty." You know, it was like the only scenario I ever could have imagined where people were like super excited about Patrick Cantlay yeah. uh, using Bryson as a as a foil. And you know, we had a lot of sort of. I, I was standing right there when uh, 
Cantley's chip almost went in on the first playoff hole. I thought for sure that uh, it was going down, and I think he did. And and then was you know with it all the way to the end when Bryson was just you know full of anger afterwards. And man, it was kind of fun. Now let's let's give it some credit. I you know I I took a sabbatical for like the last week. I've been really um, unconnected to the golf world. But it's funny, like there, I picked up on like the broader themes of what was going on. Um, but I, you know, I, I like really enjoyed watching golf today for the first time in a while uh, on the PGA Tour. That was a, it was a delightful final round in totality. Like the way those guys those guys played such great golf. I mean, like that's you know the thing. It's it's fun fun you know to see Cantley kind of. Uh, play the uh i guess you could say the the david and the david versus goliath although like patrick cantley being described as david is 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 rich since he's like a top 10 player in the world but you know david and goliath just because he you know it was just a it was an enjoyable watch and both of them played so phenomenally um for the whole tournament really i mean obviously separated themselves as the class players but um brendan you're back are you? <laughs> Perhaps not. <laughs> I didn't okay. know this was going to be me and you, KVV. I was, I was really hoping Brendan was going to carry this, uh, the, the hosting duties. But, um, you know, I was, I was thinking about it because I was picking up these broader themes of the week, and I saw your question to Rory, which got a great response. And you're the perfect person to ask. Like, I, you know what was going through my head when he said the thing about the setup? Basically saying, like, you know, hey, we, it's nice that the PGA Tour sets courses up the same way so we don't have to go out and figure out what's going on every week is the context of his quote. He said it in much more elegant words than that, but that's what the context of his quote was. And I was thinking, imagine if, if the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers decided last year in the Super Bowl to trout out the same defense as the uh, the Bills did in the AFC Championship. How that would have been. Mahomes wouldn't have had to prepare or anything. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, what? the one thing I sort of picked up on, Annie, that is the truth is like these guys at this point in the year, they do not want to grind. Like they, they might say, like, yeah, it'd be a little bit nicer if, you know, the, there was some test to it. And, like, oh, they, they spoke about Olympia Fields and how much they appreciated that that was a different test. But for the most part, like, especially at the end of this super season, they are feeling just exhausted. Like, Rory's talking about, you know, it's just too much golf. Like, I'm just kind of overwhelmed. And then you got the Ryder Cup coming up. And so I think that the real truth is, is that, like, they just are fine with – it being a putting contest uh, this go round, and so you know, I don't know. I mean, I, I think that maybe there's a, a different uh, medium that we could have found somehow, but not at not in the East Coast and not in Maryland. In this, uh, you know, this is where I live. Hey, KVV. Yeah, did I cut out there? A lot. Are you good? You're, gonna Can you hear to, me? you're just going to have to start over <laughs> on that whole stand. Yes. Okay. Brendan, are you there? This is. It, Brendan is still not there. This is tough. <laughs> he was there for just a second. This is a brief <laughs> second. But but you got to just start over with that whole whole segment. Whole segment about he, okay. 
you tell me when to uh, when to start. Uh, will you ask the question again? And you, is it gonna well, listen, I can't even here? remember what the question was. I've had so many thoughts enter my mind since then. <laughs> You're done with the uniformity of the setup. Uh, just just start and, uh, ta- just start talking and and we'll I'm make it. Sorry. Right. This is been a disaster. Can you hear me? <laughs> <laughs> yes, we can hear you. Sorry, I can't do the extreme runs, the caves, the valleys. I just my service sucks. I can't play in Comcast. Here's my one point. I feel like you know how you have like Wikipedia top tens, right? Um, but like this feels like it'll just go in the Patrick Cantlay's like resume as like a BMW championship. You're like, ah, whatever. Like that was like. But this feels like a real opportunity to sort of, and I wrote this a little bit, like, the sort of market, like, the lack, like, of emotion, sort of the iciness of, of Cantlay, like, it felt like a real, like, sort of legacy potential, like, building win, you know what I mean? Or not legacy, but, like, building into the legend where, like, you know how we view DJ first for so long as, like, this guy's so boring, like, he's terrible, and now we kind of love that he's, like pretty deadpan and direct on everything and that's like become his brand so to speak this feels like an opportunity to do that for Cantlay because of the way he was like he's the total opposite of Bryson right Bryson burns every inch and he looks like basically he was robbed and it was he's incredulous and how did that not go in he's just unlucky and like he and Bryson like was the villain today for sure a little bit and uh you had Cantlay here like everybody's just praising this ice man. They kept saying like he's, he's whatever. You should have heard Azinger. You should have heard Azinger uh, going uh, on and on. Wow. God, I know. Like he leaned into the 14th hole thing. That little like dust up, if you want to call it, and made it like the narrative of the entire battle. Like it's personal now. It's personal, Dan. I, do, I truly believe it. And that was. I don't think that was that big a deal. Cantlay was kind of like it, it, you know maybe it added some like drama to it but I don't think that was that big a deal anyways I just feel like you know it's more than just looks like a BMW championship win on the resume this was like there was so much like I don't know character to Cantlay's win and it's sort of lack thereof lack of emotion and I think that feels like an opportunity to sort of make Cantlay like more of a character obviously the talent we think is going to be around but like make him more of a character and make him more of like a, a, a I don't know, a, someone you can get behind or at least appreciate and understand uh, going forward. KVV, I think your uh, your uniform setup takes are going to be lost forever. But, Great. you know, I, I, I would love... Should I reboot them or... <laughs> no, no, I think we've got to go with what Brendan just said now, right? I agree. I mean, I've I always liked Patrick Cantlay, but I never thought really thought of that. And I, I do agree that... This uh, he he gained a lot of fans today. I never could have imagined a scenario where the fans were openly chanting Patrick Cantlay's name, or at least like <laughs> Patty, Patty. Like you got to really have an interesting contrast to have people get super excited about Patrick Cantlay. But that was what was happening today. And Bryson, I, I wrote a, a little piece kind of talking about him, and I, I just don't think that Bryson was ever meant to like play the heel in the sort of professional wrestling of professional golf. And yet he finds himself cast as the heel and he's just super <laughs> uncomfortable with it. He just, that's why part of the reason why he's like 
not really great at handling all this is because he just cannot stand to be disliked. And it, you think that like there would be like a, you know, Bryson's wish would be, there would be like a stone cold moment where he would suddenly be like beloved and embraced by the fans. But I just don't think it's coming. And it's, you know, but Bryce is going to have to find a new gimmick in the pip world. Something that I always, I always, I'm, taken back by every time I go to a professional tournament is how many fans Bryson has. Like he is like super popular with the fans. He is. I would say who wear Cobra Puma stuff though too. Like, and you know, there's a certain subsection of people out there like that. And uh, there was a lot more antipathy I would suggest there this weekend. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know if it all stems from the Brooks stuff or what, but uh, I guess like the the TV and the radio were trying to make it sound like there wasn't much going on on Saturday. Everyone I've talked to, like everyone, like I saw a lot of it. I talked to people who were in New York and down here. They're like, oh yeah, it was really bad. It was worse than New York last week. So like, it was happening to the point where, <laughs> I mean, KBV and I saw Roger Maltby who was saying like it was much better and it was, nothing was happening yesterday. Like, lose his shit on someone who shouted Brooksy. At Bryson on the seventh hole, I mean, JVV has the transcript. It was full of expletives, like just shouting at some fan who called him Brooksy. So uh, he's definitely the heel, and I'm not sure he's like super comfortable with it. As JVV put it, uh, yes, there's definitely a moment. I was literally right in the stands next to the guy who yelled, "Come on, Brooksy!" As Bryson hit his approach shot into the eighth hole, and Roger Malby like went off on the dude and was like shut the F up, like, that is super classless, shut up, shut up, you, blah, blah, and I was, I briefly thought for a second that Raj thought that I said it, and I was, like, he was, like, staring right at me, and so I was willing to be, like, whoa, Roger, like, chill out, this is not me, like, that was some dude behind me, but I, th- I think he figured out quickly that it was some Yahoo behind us, but uh, it was interesting to, like, Brent and I both kind of got that weird contrast of like the the broadcast trying to pretend like it was not a deal yet while we we're on the ground like people were definitely definitely doing it so andy andy you there yes i'm here i'm still here do you think the tour like like play like forget everything you hold near and dear or whatever you think is good bad or otherwise and pretend you were like born and the uh, born in one of the '98 conference rooms at the Global Hall, you grew up fishing the moat, and that's your existence. Do you think the tour is like really happy with what happened? Do you think this like this this is proof positive that how we did this is right and good with the tournament? Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah like they're they're, they're, right? they're doing, they're doing you know, cartwheels. They're doing cartwheels. They they love it. They uh, they say this is the way we set it up. I mean, like you you saw Brooks or Bryson. I just said Brooks because of that story KVV just told. But Bryson was he was t- afraid to chip today. He was doing the Anna Norquist. He's putting so everywhere. <laughs> Is, I mean, does Bryson have the chipping yips? I don't like, know. I, I think it was. He that, didn't get it know, up was... and down any time. He had to chip under pressure coming down the stretch. You know. I watched it from across the hazard, so I wasn't, like, up real close. Was it just a stub on 17 in Yeah, it was just not a good chip. It was just bad. Yeah. And the chip, like, like, that 30-yard pitch he had on the par the 5. Yeah. 
Yeah, and the 30-yard pitch he had on the par 5. What happened with that second shot there? It came up like 30 yards short, and he was acting like it was perfect. You know, did you see that one? <laughs> yeah. Yes. I mean, trying to hit every 8-iron 232 yards might be problematic. I don't know if that's uh, if it, if that's correct. But, man, that some of those were just – like I think what's fascinating about Bryson sometimes is that he – he lives in that surreal, surreal like Jack Nicholas world of where like Jack's like, oh, I never three putted entire West Coast swing on whatever such and such years, never once. It's like Bryson has to convince himself that he did it exactly right, and it's almost like I, I don't know if he really does or if he's just actually trying to sort of say, well, that wasn't my fault. Like that was, I don't really get it. That's that's just you know magic beans knocked it out of the air. And is that like a coping mechanism for, you know, not hitting every great shot? Or is he just really, truly in denial that he just is some of these shots are literally like a bunch of irons. Like, he's like, ah, oh, be right. And it's like 40 yards short. It's amazing. The uh, I would I I think he totally has that delusion. You know, it's like the same thing that he thinks he's a physicist, like he's not a physicist and he's delusional about that, too. I mean, the. uh I will say, like, he hit a lot of really great putts that didn't go in in that playoff, and I do feel yeah. somewhat bad for him because, like, he, he, he played a lot better in, in totality than Patrick Cantlay did in that playoff and lost somehow, you know, yeah. after six holes. He, he really didn't catch any good breaks. What, Andy, did they show his face on from the camera when he missed a short birdie putt on 18? Because yes. he, I, he had his back to me, and he, it seemed like he was, like, pounding his like fists he was like god you know in just a rage but he i couldn't see his face i was curious as to what it looked like he was not not thrilled i mean i think like the thing that just like the the pure astonishment every time like you know that he couldn't possibly have hit a bad putt like when you miss a putt that short you don't you probably didn't hit a very good putt you know yeah it's just uh he uh he's just un he's an unbelievable character um you know, the the reality is, like, he does drive a ton of interest. Like, I was infinitely more interested in this playoff than I was of the Kramer, Hickok, Harris, English yep. <laughs> marathon and, uh, and uh, travelers. And it, it mainly it was probably because Bryson, I was, I was, you know, like, God, can't, like, please beat Bryson. Um, let's, let's show that, like, he does, he is, the entertainment factor is, like, you know, whether it's, and, you know, antagonism or just, you know, him being a cloud makes uh, a thousand times more when he's involved, especially given the past year. We got to shout out stopping down from the hazard, the creek, or the waterfall, whatever you want to call it. Like, that was, you were talking about how the putts didn't go in. That was, like, kind of an amazing, that was one that went in. Obviously, the pro shot was amazing to save far. Uh, the, the creek, like, I mean, there's like a botanical garden to the right of it. Someone was suggesting, like, for the each time of the playoff, they should be like getting inner tubes and just slow back down slowly, like they're like a lazy river back down to the tee. <laughs> because it just does go like the full 400 yards. But I would have, I would have been enjoying that. Um, but yeah, what are you guys did you guys see uh, KH Lee's shot that hit into the yeah. off the rock wall and yeah. into the grandstands and he almost got TIO relief? 
Yeah. Are you drinking? Yeah. Over there? It was just a shitty, like a terrible yeah. lie. Yeah. 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 I thought I, I thought for sure he was somehow going to get a drop like thirty yards in front of the green in the fairway there. <laughs> I want you guys to know that I had to, with the first time the playoff moved from eighteen out to seventeen, I took like kind of a wrong turn, but I was like, all right, look, I think this is the best way for me to get there, and I ended up having to jump the entire creek. Uh, and just you know, hope that I didn't sprain an ankle. Andy, are you there? Yeah, you just cut out for a little bit. You were talking about spraining your ankle. Oh, I had to jump over the creek to get to the the. Uh, there, there was a bridge like up the way, like where about where Bryson hit the ball, and but in order to get to seventeen quickly to be in time there, I had to actually. Impressed that that I pulled it off. So I want you guys to be proud of me. I the, put in maximum effort. That's it. You put your body on the line just to catch that playoff. Truly did. I you know, felt it was I owed it to the game to do. Brendan, uh, what were your other takeaways for the week besides uh, the Bryson Cantley stuff? Just like I mean, not to get like not to pop, but like, what do Cave Valley members think of their plays? coming away from this. You feel like they're like embarrassed, emasculated, fine with it. Like I, I hope like they're not like upset. Like it just is what it is. Like like these guys that question is what it is. And it was never gonna like stop these guys whether they moved ten keys and four bunkers just for this week and you know, it was still but like I felt almost a little bit of, like, sympathy for them as, like, it went to, like, 21 under, 28 under, like, I'm not saying I feel sympathy for these, you know, titans of industry and stuff, but, like, that was a takeaway. Like, I mean, James Valley's going to be, like, this sort of, I, I don't know. It, it was, it's still, like, it's a cool place, but, you know, it's, I, I don't know if it could host, a, a, like, a really challenging tour test in August. So that was, that was certainly an impression that I made on me. I mean, Medina got torn shredded two years earlier, you know, like had course record every day. You know, that's the reality is like, I don't know. I just think, uh, you know, this is just in the 120 year history of the Western Open. We've never seen anything like this uh, recent demolishing of courses. Right. Yeah. You just can't take it personally, even if you're but like, you know, some of these like clubs stop taking it personally. And I, I don't know. It, it's just that was for me, I, I thought, and, you know, KVV kind of captured it in the suite for sure. Like, so Bryson, like, we always talk about Bryson, like, beefed up kind of as a response to that best page where he felt like he couldn't cut it uh, in that 2019 PGA. But now I feel like kind of limited that only that kind of style. Like, is this, like, the perfect style and it doesn't really maybe travel as much to other kinds of like a, you know Augusta Greens is, is obviously the Open Championship. Is he sort of is this like his his sort of sweet spot now? Yeah, I think when obviously with how soft the fairways were, I mean, you saw him hit it to the edges a, a few times, you know, on Sunday, and, and the ball just stopped, you know, dead in his tracks in the fairway. I think when when the targets get bigger, so you know, when it's soft, obviously everything gets bigger. Uh, the fairways and the greens and, and just the, your overall targets, when they get bigger, it's such a big advantage for him because obviously he hits it so long and, you know, some of the things that he sacrifices with that that distance chase is some precision. Um, 
So I think this is, you know, wet, soft is the ideal setup for them. Um, and, you know, also four par fives, right? Right, right, right. Four par five. I, I you know, I think like, so this is the diametric opposite of Olympia Fields, right? You know, the, the last year, which was Furman Fast, the winner, whatever, four under. But like, honestly, the tour probably, I, I think if I'm the tour, they don't care, right? Last year was sweet with Rom and DJ bombing it over the top of each other. This year was sweet with Kayla and DeChambeau going back and forth. And they probably think they have, like, a winning formula whether it doesn't matter what the course conditions are. And maybe, like, maybe they're right. I don't know what that extra bucket is. Like, I, I don't know if it does anything for the FedEx Cup necessarily, right? Like, that this happened. People still, like, the playoffs. I did, uh, I had some perfect, this perfect moment of field research on Saturday. There were two, like, neighborhood dads from my neighborhood who came up with their kids. These guys, like, play golf, like, two, three times a week. They're in, like, PGA Tour, like, one-and-done pools. Like, they, they like, are aware of the tour. They're not, like, watching it all weekend. And they just, like, couldn't understand the playoffs. Like, I had to explain it to them, like, two or three times. Then it, like, blew their minds when I tried to explain the staggered start and the net gross leaderboard and, like, these are people who are, like, kind of into golf, play golf, like, are aware of the tour. And they, like, knew the players' names. They knew, like, all the players coming through. And it was just, like, I, I, I don't know that the playoffs will ever sort of have this resonance. Maybe it will, like, 50 years from now. But they were just, it just, like, really hit me that these are probably guys pushing towards the higher end of fandom, or at least a, a awareness of the tour, and just, like, had a million questions for me about, like, what the playoffs mean, why they should actually matter, and, and certainly the staggered start. So, like, that, that I, I don't know. Like, these are, like, cool events that are happening in the end of August or, or potential for cool events because you have, you know, 70 of the best players in the world. Like, it's like the Tory Vines thing. It's like the Bell Reeves thing. Like, there's enough money that they're getting everyone to show up, so there's potential for something like this, whether it's soft in, in 28 under or it's, Firm and fast like Olympia Fields and, and four or five under. So I don't know. Maybe they think that's that's the women winning formula. I just don't know that it'll ever like make the playoffs carry some sort of uh, I don't know easy to understand formula and stature. So I wonder too, like about you know I, I came in a little bit of a cynic about some of the you know how easy this was going to be and like you know having it in this region why are you having like your playoffs in an area of the country that where the literally the dew point, if you know what that means is like 78% this week, like it's like dangerously high in terms of like the amount of water and the ground in the air. But I also feel like as someone who lives in Baltimore, you know, had a PGA tournament in 60 years. And so there's, there is kind of a cool element to like people talking about like the, this stuff was coming for weeks and weeks. And I have friends who, you know, went out and they were super into, you know, I want to see Phil. I want to see Sergio, like guys who were certainly with Phil, but also like Sergio before like the last few days were not involved in any of the playoff sort of chase stuff. And so they were kind of really into it. And I, I, you know, I think I used to think like maybe the playoffs should be at the same place every year so that we build a kind of, familiarity with it but maybe it's better that they move it around i don't know that i do you, do you think, think that it's, it's to... great that 
the finals are at Eastlake every year? Is that made to build a familiarity with you? No. <laughs> could you? I couldn't. I mean, I bet you were one of the point one percent of people who could like identify any kind of hole at Eastlake. I have just... Eastlake is such a nondescript golf course for me. I could not t- describe a single hole out there. I just have this like memory of like Bill Haas getting up and down from the like shallow water on 18 or whatever to win the one of the FedEx cups. And that is the only trip. I mean, I, other than, I guess, I guess the KPMG was there for the women. And so like, I had a little bit better memory of it, but other than oh. that, nothing. Uh, well, Hey, I will say like, this felt like a bigger event, I would say just because all the players are here. Baltimore hasn't had anything in a while. Like there's just a lot of money. There's a lot of build out. So the stands are big. There's a lot of sponsored money behind it. Like it felt bigger than like when I would go to Avenel down the road, which is like you could take a nap in the middle of the 10th fairway. Like it did feel like a big event. It's just like, what does that actually mean in the larger scheme of things? I was really, I did think it was good that Baltimore had it. Maryland people, man, like Maryland fans and Baltimore, like they got a little edge to them. They can be a little, they can be a little mean and uh, they can be rowdy. And I think they were this week uh, for sure. So. I think we're we're by the thing that kind of sums up the FedEx Cup playoffs and the, just the playoffs in general so well is the Patrick Reed situation where he hasn't played for two weeks, you know, with whatever's going on with him, whether it's, you know, pneumonia or the ankle or whatever it is, the back, um, you know, he hasn't played in either of the playoff events and he's in the finals. How is that even possible? Yeah. What about Morikawa, who's like probably the player of the year? Maybe it's Rob, player of the year. Morikawa's got a WGC, a major, things like that. And I don't think he's like in the top ten. I don't. I don't think. He, I mean, he had a bad week this week, but I, I don't think. I think he's he eleven. Like, yeah. How many strokes is he back? Like, I, I don't know. It, but again, that's what playoffs are like. Like the eighty-five win team can beat the hundred win team in the. MLB, like that happens the postseason, the new season. I don't know, but it's, it's well, not indicative of anything that's happened over the year. Yeah, my point is that you got to be, you have to play the first two rounds of the playoffs yeah. in order to get to the yeah, third point. round that's of the playoff. You know, like, play like yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's just wild. But you know, I think like obviously. It'd be nice if each of the the tournaments. I when I when I was thinking about the Rory quotes about the you know essentially the homogenization of the setup, and how you know if you were going to do the playoffs, it might be cool to do like three different styles of setups. You know where you had one that was like a shorter course that's wide and you know you know funky stuff at and then you have one course that's long and narrow and then maybe the final course is somewhere in the middle maybe maybe the final course is a tpc course um but like you know you you get maybe three different varieties so you give different players style different styles of players chances in the playoffs i thought that might be like a cool twist when you start to think about like setups and how you can make the playoffs something cool is you know have test players in different ways. I don't know. That was something I thought about. But also, like, the crux of, a crux of, like, that Rory quote where he said it's an entertainment product, the KVV's question, like, at the end was, like, yeah, like, we don't have the bandwidth to, like, learn it. We don't need, we shouldn't have to show up and learn a course for three or four days. It's so absurd. It's 
such an absurd quote. In like June or July or whatever for Avenue, like or something. But like, if it is the playoffs, like, yeah, you should have to show up and maybe learn it for three or four days, uh, like three days, and not just count on it being. You know, I hit it as far as I can. I play it in the air. It's gonna be soft, and yeah, it's the uniformity. Hey, you know when the next, you know next time the NBA finals roll around, they're going to institute a rule that coaches can't make any defensive adjustments, uh, game to game. We don't want to have to learn it at this point in the year. We don't want to learn new adjustments. <laughs> I want to. I want to give my time to KVV. Are you probably getting home by now? What do you KVV? Do you have any other things you? Are you so much? You suck on the stuff. Like who? Are you like more sort of? Yeah. What are you coming off of this? More encouraged by Cantlay, more like sort of concerned about Bryson and where he is in his career. Like what? What are the FedEx Cup? What, what's your kind of overarching take on that? I I wrote a column about this, and so it I, I just it just published on ESPN.com, and it, it just put it up on Twitter. But as I was, I followed Bryson through the tunnel and up the hill uh, as he sort of, after the, he missed the putt that ended the playoff. And, you know, everybody was on deadline, and so I was really the only media person who witnessed this. But he, Bryson marched up the hill on his way to the clubhouse and was, and was refusing to ride in a cart. And he was understandably, like, really, really pissed. I think what's one thing that's admirable about Bryson is, like, he really cares. He's not, like, not giving a shit kind of person. He actually wants to be great, and he wants to win every tournament. And I, I love that about him. Uh, and I, I witnessed this thing where, you know, he's he's trying to blow off steam. He's, he's definitely, like, pissed. He's trying to take this, like, cathartic walk. And, of course, some Yahoo yells out, like, great job, Brooksy. And Bryson kind of snapped. Like, Bryson yelled at the guy and said, get this the guy the F out of here. And, and kind of, like, made a movement towards the rope line at him. And it was really kind of tense for, for 10 seconds. And, you know, I think it made me kind of wonder, like, man, like, what's the end game to all this for all this, like, Brooksy stuff? It's, you know, are we just going to keep doing this and, and sort of, like, have people belittle Bryson until he, like, snaps? Like, that's not a really fun scenario. At some point, it started has started to feel kind of ugly. And I think, you know, Brendan being out there sort of felt a little. Like, it's taken a little bit of a dark turn. There's nothing there's nothing particularly creative or funny about it Uh at the start, but now it's like, you know, it's really getting a little bit ugly and, and some of it Bryson has totally brought on himself. Like I, you know, it's hard to feel a ton of empathy for him when he brings on some of this stuff with, with various, you know, dumbass comments, but uh, man, like, I just don't know, like at some point is, is golf going to have to sort of step in and figure this out? I mean, it's a sort of surreal debate. I wrote this in this column. It's a surreal debate to be having. Like, it's almost become like a Twitter trolling of Bryson, but in real life, except not online, where you have this like army of bots of, of human bots, basically saying like, "I'm not crossing any line. Like, I'm not violating the terms of service. I'm just yelling Brooksy." But it clearly bugs Bryson, and so we're in this moment where like we're having this conversation about how encouraging it is that athletes are talking about mental health. And yet we're also like have all these people delighting and just like, you know, making Bryson come unraveled. And so it's, I feel, I felt really kind of ugly about it. And I just don't know where we go from here. Cause it's like Brooks doesn't even have to participate in it anymore. He just has this like army of bots willing to 
to do a format. I don't think Brooks could end it even if he wanted. If Brooks said t- tomorrow, like, hey, guys, don't here's a case of Ultra. Don't taunt Bryson anymore. I think Brennan wrote this, you know, he was dead on when he wrote this this week. It's kind of with us forever. It's the stupid mashed potatoes, Baba Booey of the new world. And it's this Brooksy stuff is might be with Bryson for a decade. Yeah, and I think like everything can be true. Like Bryce is a jackass, right? He's said and done a lot of dumb things, and he always steps in it. Uh, like the Brooks thing with the Nick Ultra thing was kind of like sticky tack, Mickey Mouse bullshit. And then like the the, the chants at this point are just like dumb and annoying, or that the shouts are like like all of that can be true, right? And I don't know, like the way you described it, came, so it's like a big march up this hill and everybody go for these read his column or his post on uh, ESPN.com. Like, it's not a short walk. It's like a big walk up the hill to the clubhouse and, like, there's thousands of people at that 18th hole and, like, yeah, I, I don't know. It, it seems, like, potentially unnerving. Like, a, I'm not going to say from what you described, like, Malice at the Palace on the edge of that, but, like, potential for, like, fan, player, like, encounter. And, uh, yeah, it's it apparently, like, he was not happy in the clubhouse as well. Very angry about security. Just not, I don't know, is that he's getting, like, security can't stop people from shouting Brooksy. Like, they can't. I I noticed, so they've got these huge, like, churches. Everybody's, like, 20 and 30 feet above all these tee boxes in green. And there would be, like, four or five cops, the PJ Tour security guy, like, I don't know, some private security guy was there. They're all, like, just staring at the railing, like, 20, 30, like, making sure they could see who's yelling. But, like, of course, you can't get that. You can't get that every time when there's not, like, a high ground like that. So, like, they're trying to enforce it. It sounds like he got really, really, like, angry in the clubhouse afterwards and kind of had to be almost just, like, all right, you got to go. And, of course, this thing that... KVV witness where this, this other jerk off screams Brooksy at him and he like snaps. So I, I don't know. It, it it feels like we're sort of the guy just almost the guy just went like twenty seven under or twenty eight under and it feels like he's kind of in the middle of a sort of mental I don't know an anguish of a summer at least I don't know. It's a lot of mental tumult. I wouldn't say he's like cracking up, but there's just so much tumult and like he's still like shooting twenty seven, twenty eight under. Yeah, I you know, I I think the thing that the way he he should just say it bothers him. I think that's probably the best thing he could do at this point. If he just says it bothers him, then everybody if somebody says it, everybody's gonna be like you're you're being a dick. Like the guy said it bugs him. Like just stop. Like you know, like that. I think that's the the issue, and I don't think he'll ever admit that. It, just say that it bothers him. Like he goes the opposite way. And he says, "Oh, I, I, you know, it's uh, you know, it's flattering," is what he says. You know, it's like if you just said it bothers me, it would be, you know, I think the thing would have been done months ago. Yeah, yeah. All right, KV, you have to go. I got to peace out. Thanks, boys, for right. having me on this uh, very experimental episode. Yeah, uh, Brendan's going to have to go, too, because his audio is so bad. We're done. Oh, uh, really? Yeah, your audio is horrible. It, it sounds like you're in a tin can. It's just it's embarrassment. It's the lowest of the lows of this podcast in terms of audio quality. Huh. Hey. All right. Uh, at least, at least right. we did it together. I'm... I'm <laughs> 
it's Brandon somewhere in, in between beltways, stuck between stations, as the hold steady would say. Uh, but uh, I, I enjoyed getting to see Brennan this week. Andy uh, would love to see you out somewhere. Uh, yeah, see you in soon. October. It's, it's fun to be uh, in, in the golf world. That's right. Coming out to the event. So uh, yeah. I'm very excited for that. Yeah. So uh, KVV, everybody read your article. I, I see it's up online. Um, I'm excited to dive in after this. we get off this Zoom call. But uh, KVV, yeah. thanks for coming on. Brendan, thanks for uh, calling in from the road. Uh, listeners, thanks for dealing with this crap. We'll get to the, all the other stuff that happened on Tuesday or Monday, Wednesday show, which is the first of the month show, a very special show. Um, and uh, we'll get to the, what happened on other tours and preview of Big Week Ahead with Solheim Cup. So, KVV, thank you. Brendan, thank you. Wonderful Sunday at the BMW Championship and have a great week.